We're going to pray today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house. God, we thank you for the blessings that we have in you and through you. God, we thank you, God, as we honor our mums and we're so thankful for them. God, I pray that no one would leave here today, God, downcast, but everyone would leave here encouraged and strengthened and built up. Because, God, that's what you want to do. You want to lift our spirits. You want to encourage us. You want to bless us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, come on, shout amen in the house. Come on, shout amen in the house. Come on, you could do better than that. Shout amen in the house. I can move around now. My wife told me, when, you, when I come up on the platform with you, don't jump around. She knows how I am. I like to move around. So I had strict instructions. So I'm just going to jump around now and just do it because I can. But welcome, mums. And, and mum for me, it's M-U-M for me. I just want you to know that. I know how you spell it over here. You spell it wrong, by the way. And it's not M-O-M. It's M-U-M. It's mum. And our theme for this year is she, she, she. She is loving, nurturing, persistent, trusting, forgiving. She's a worshipper. She is... Enough. And when I read things like that and so much more about mums, I think, man, to be all of that, you've you got to be superhuman. You've you got to be a superhuman person to be all that. And then I thought, hold on a second, isn't that what a mum is? Our mums are superheroes. They have movies now of superheroes, but no one can touch our mums. And I, I'll say this, I don't know how you do it. Mums, I don't know how you do it. All I can say is I'm glad I'm not called to that. Can I say, have an amen from all the dads in the house? I, I, I'm glad that God didn't call me. That birth stuff, that's tough. But I think that's the easiest part. I think it's the life that even gets tougher and dealing with the everyday routines and, and just that. Man, guys, we, we lose it when we get a headache. Come on, ladies, you can say amen. Big wimps in the house. I mean, we're like birth kids, and you're like over there like screaming like you're going to die. You know, I think that's why people get kidney stones, because I think that's women that are trying to curse men and let them feel the pain that they're going through and what they went through with all of that. And I thought about the word she. I kind of just broke it down for fun. She is superhuman epiphany, an epiphany. I, I love that word epiphany because I looked it up in the dictionary. I had to because I needed to know what it meant. And it said this, a moment of enlightenment when the underlying truth or essence of a thing is suddenly made clear. And I think that's cool. Let me say that again. A moment of enlightenment. The lights come on when an underlying truth or the essence of something is made perfectly clear. That's a mum. When we begin to think about that, you are superhuman. You are incredible. You are our heroes. So today I want to talk to the she in every one of us today. And notice, men, there's a he in the she too. I just want you to know that. And so I just want to talk to that inside of each one of you today. But as I begin, I want to ask you a question. Are you ready? How many of you have messed up at being a mum or a parent? Come on, put your hand up. Put your hand up. Come on, a parent, period. Mum, dad, how many of you have done the wrong things? How many of you have said things that you wished you never had said? Come on, keep those hands up. We're not going home yet. We're keeping those hands up. Come on, I, I think every one of us. Come on, dads, what's up with Craig? He's perfect. Man, I see how he is. 
about to slap. Your tray's perfect in the house. Come on, who's got their hand up? They're messed up some way along the line. Come on, kids, you can put your hands up for your parents. Yeah, well, why do I do that? Keep your hand up. Why do I do that? Why do I do that? Because I want you to high five someone else who's imperfect just like you. Come on. Come on, someone else hasn't got it together just like you. And I I think that's a really good place to start today, don't you? Because the enemy wants to tell you that you're the only one that messes up. The enemy wants to tell you you're the only one that loses your cool at times. And you kind of say the wrong things and do the wrong things. But I'm living proof of what we just seen today, that we all have regrets. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things that we wished we could change. But here's the beauty, are you ready? We're all a work in progress. And that's the key, we've got to be in progress. We've got to be growing, we've got to be building. So as I preach this message today, here's how I want you to see this. I want you to see this through the lens of today forward. Because we could all identify about our regrets, our mistakes, and our missed opportunities. But what happens is this. If we hear a message about parenting and we're like, man, I don't do that, I haven't done... We can find ourselves being brought under condemnation and guilt really quick. And one thing I know about the gospel message is this. It's a message of hope. The message we've come to bring you today, parents, mom, is a message of hope. Why? Because maybe you haven't made the best decisions. Maybe you're not doing the right things. But can we see it from today forward? Can we believe that God can cause us to make a change today? That today can be different and then our tomorrows can be different? So that's how I want you to see it. When I read stuff, I don't want you to go, oh man, yeah, I did. Today forward is where we're going to be. Why? Because look at this statement. It's not the moments that define us but what we do with them. We all have our moments, but I'm not living in my moments. I'm not allowing that to be my definition, my identity. I messed up, yes, but I'm picking myself up. And what I'm doing with those moments, I'm growing through those moments. I'm changing through those moments. I'm believing for great future through those moments. So how we respond to them is so key. So mums... Parents, don't make a moment of your past become your identity for your future. Come on, it's not called to be a lifestyle. We know what God has called us to be. And so today I want to talk about a, an awesome mama, a she from God's Word, a superhuman epiphany that we see in God's Word. And I want to talk today about the story of Hannah. And I really want to try and bring out some thoughts and helps for you as a mum and as a parent and future parents too. Where's our future parents in the house? Any future parents? Come on, who doesn't have kids in the house? Let me see your hands. If you don't have kids, well, we're praying for you today. This message is for you today. So let's read the story of Samuel, beginning in Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this, now there was a certain... Man, when I, when I read that, um, I'm kind of clued into something's about to happen. Why would you say that, Pastor Philip? Because it doesn't say by chance there was a man. They said there was a certain man. Something's getting ready to happen. I'm, I'm certain of that. I love that in God's Word. And it says he was a man of Ramath, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. Elkanah. Verse 2, and he had two wives. That was perfectly legal as a part of the custom 
of that day, but not today. Just saying, just saying. Guys, relax. It's okay. And the name of one of his wives was Hannah, and the name of the other was Paniah. Please notice they're not listed alphabetically. It's not H before P, that's why. I really believe the reason why Hannah is listed before Paniah is for this reason, because Hannah was more loved than Paniah. Anyone ever hate your last name, P? That's a tough one. When you're going to court or you're going somewhere or whatever, you have to wait a long time for P. But if you're an A or a B, you're kind of in and out quick. But it's not alphabetically, we see. And it goes on to say, Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Stop and think about this for a moment. No children of that day, people would regard that as that they were cursed. That their womb was cursed, having no children, that was a slant on them. And I, and I don't believe from God's word that's exactly true because I think it's amazing how many people we see whose wombs were closed but later God opened. Yeah. And those people turned out to be leaders and great men and women of God. Samson was one. John the Baptist was another. And we see that. But it's amazing how many labels people can put on you today that would identify people. Lots of wrong labels that you're carrying today. Man-given, not God-given. How awful would it be for Hannah to literally go through life being told that God obviously doesn't really love you? looking at seeing everyone else with children and enjoying life and believing that she had done something wrong, that she was used goods, that there was something in her. What a stigma to carry through life. Even before other people knew her, people had already drawn a conclusion of who she was. Does that sound familiar? Sound familiar in our lives? Because a reputation can be tough to shake. For some of us, maybe the reputation is merited, but for many of us, it's not. It's not. So what did Hannah do? What did Hannah do? Let's read on. Verse 3. It says, And Elkanah went up from the city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. That's about 15 miles away. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, give his gift to God, he would give portions to Paniah his wife and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. The text really is not really clear of why this would be. But it appears like he would give Hannah a gift as though she had a child. So he would give the portion to her and like she had a child. And the Bible says, I believe for this reason, because he loved Hannah. He loved Hannah. God loves you. You need to hear that today. God loves you. Whether you feel it or not doesn't change the fact it's truth that God loves you today. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, verse 6, also provoked her severely. Did you catch that? Her rival also provoked her. That means other people were involved with this too. She's carrying the shame and other people are revoking her. Other people are provoking her. Other people are making fun of her. But she was soon going to realize something. It was an opportunity for God. I'm telling you right now, your life is an opportunity. I don't care what people are saying about you, what labels they've put on you. I'm telling you right now, your life is a setup for God. 
I said, your life is an opportunity. Pastor Blake preached at Crossroads on Friday night and he talked about being sexually abused, physically abused in his life. And he said it this way. He said, I don't look at it as I was being abused. He said, I look at it, I was being equipped. Wow. I was being equipped. I could use this in the future to help and touch other people. I'm telling you right now, God loves you. And the opportunities that God has are endless. If we'll just open, oh, but pastor, I'll be made fun of. It's not going good. Trust God. I said, trust God. And read on. They wanted to make her miserable. Because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year, constantly over and over again, the reminders of the sorrow and the pain. That when she went up to the house of the Lord, that, that Peniah provoked her. Therefore, Hannah wept and Hannah did not eat. That's the backdrop. Now, here's my message. Are you ready? Point number one. She refused the identity and trusted God. She refused that identity. She refused that label, but yet trusted God. Even her husband, he tried to give her comfort in verse 8. And then Elkanah, her husband, said to Hannah, Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart so grieved? I am better to you than ten sons. Yes, his love was real. Yes, he obviously treated her well. But there was something inside of her that she longed to have a child. But you know what? Even refusing that identity, she still was childless. What do I mean by that? Even refusing the identity that people put on your life, we still have feelings. Those words still can hurt. Those actions can still hurt us. We've got to guard our hearts against offense. Why? Because our feelings will even lie to us at times. Verse 9, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting at the seat of the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord in his customary place, and Hannah was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed to the Lord, and she wept in anguish. The Message Bible says she was crushed in soul. Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried. Ever been there? Mum, have you ever been there? Refusing to believe that this is the end. Refusing to accept this is how it's going to be. Just literally pouring out your heart to God. Not willing to accept what you've been told or what's given to you. And some people can label that as denial. I'm not talking about denial. I'm talking about seeing something in your kids that no one else sees. Come on. I'm talking about believing beyond what the circumstances of life. But as a mom, you just hold on to that and you are crying out. Hannah is there in this moment. She's broken. She's crying out to God. She's giving it again to God. She is trusting Him once more with her prayer. In verse 11, she made a vow to God and she says, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look into the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. The greatest thing as a parent we could ever do, giving our children to God. 
for the rest of their lives. And she said, and no razor shall come upon his head. That was part of a Nazarite vow at that time, that they would see the long hair. They would know that was someone set apart and chosen by God. And verse 12, and it happened. Man, I really wish we could read the Bible like it's the first time we're reading it. Because we've got to see this. It happened. It, it happened. Something's happening. Something's taken place at that moment. That's the power of prayer. I'm telling you right now, as she's cried out to God, she's desperate to God. The Bible says something has happened. And it's not what we're just going to see that Eli caused. Something I believed in the heavenly realms happens. When we begin to cry out to God, refusing the identity and the label that man has put upon us and saying, hold on God, I'm trusting you. Oh, I'm not denying those things. I'm just believing in a greater power that is able to do infinitely more than I could ever imagine or ever dream of. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart because only her Lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli says to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away that wine from you. Isn't it amazing that her cry was mistaken by man? So here she is. She's now cursed because she's barren. And now the priest, the man of God, thinks she's a drunk. Cursed and drunk. How dare you? Be in church like that. That's what Eli's saying to her. You have no shame. I mean, you don't act like this in church. But he was sure about to discover something. Point number two. She had a legit need. I wonder in here has a legitimate need. I wonder how many of you have a a, a need that you, you just know. You're carrying it every day. There's something. It's a passion. It's, it's something that you have in your life. That was Hannah. She wasn't just praying, well, God, if you want to. She was desperate. If it didn't happen, she would rather die. That was the place that she was at in her life. Her need was real. How do we know that? Because she couldn't even put into words the prayer. But yet it was through her pain and tears. Verse 15, and Hannah answered and said, oh my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Come on, I'm not drunk, I'm just broken hearted. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have just been here pouring out my soul before the Lord. Here's what you need to hear today, you ready? God will always hear your cry. God will always hear your cry. Shut up. Jesus doesn't want you. Jesus, have mercy on me. That was a blind man one day. People said, he's not interested. Hold on a second. Jesus said, stop. Bring that man to me. I'm telling you right now, you got a need and you're going to bring it to God. He hears your cry. I said he hears your cries. Others may not understand it. They may think you're crazy for believing, but hold on because God not only knows, he knows your exact request because he knows your heart. First Peter 3, 2, 12 says this, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. What does that mean? He's ever listening. He's ever listening to your prayer. And there's something I believe that can be said about the prayers of a mother. 
those heart prayers. Those prayers where no words can even come out because the grief and the pain of the tears. I think it's safe to say that most of us are here today because of the prayers of a mother. And if it wasn't a physical mother, it was a spiritual mother. It was someone who prayed for us, who did not give up on us. Come on, I said, I think most of us are here because of the prayers of a mother. A prayer of desperation. A prayer that refused to accept that to be the identity. That there was a need and they held on to that. And I'm going to go one step further. We're here today because of the prayers of a mother. But I'm telling you, many are still on their way because of the prayers of a mother. Hallelujah. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up praying. Don't give up believing. They're not saved. Yet. Come on now. They're not saved. But your prayers are hunting them down wherever they're at. Come on. We're sending the hound dogs of heaven out after them. When your kids are coming and saying, man, I'm not sleeping good and things aren't going good. You've got to hide that smile sometimes because you're praying that their life is miserable. Come on now. Come on. You want God to get a hold of them. You want them to realize there's food in Father's house. Come on. If they come home, there's food in the house. Amen. Not there yet, but our prayers are bringing them back. Bringing them back. Bringing them back. I read this quote this week and it says, Behind every great man is a praying mother. And it can be woman too, child. Behind every great person, there's a praying mother. And here's what I'll say. Refuse to be denied in your prayers. That request, that need that you have. Come on, especially when it comes to your children. Mums, if I could eyeball every one of you, I would right now. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your kids. Don't stop praying. You may say, well, why are you crying, Pastor? Because this is a season Kelly and I are in right now. We have a child away from God, but she's coming back. We're in this season too. But here, look at this. What you don't see happening doesn't mean nothing is happening. Oh, oh, we want them beside us. We want everything to be happening. But just because we don't see it as we think it should be, come on, keep praying. Keep believing. Keep holding on. Keep trusting God. Because what? Because things are happening that you don't even realize. (laughs) How do you know this? Let's go back to verse 12. And it happened. Come on, and it happened. Come on, next slide. And it happened. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord. Come on, it happens. It happens when we pray. Come on, you've got to keep your seed in the ground. Man, i just got to stay here for a minute. I just need to stay here. Is that okay? You've you got to keep your seed in the ground, mum. Don't pull it up. Don't despair. Don't give up on it. You've got to keep that seed in the ground. And you've got to begin to do something to that seed. Come on, look at this. Well, I found this week, come on, a praying mother has a sincere faith. What does that mean? You've got to water that seed. Amen. Come on, you've got to have that sincere faith. You've got to keep watering that thing. A praying mother cares for her family despite the circumstances. Come on, you've got to nurture that seed. You've got to nurture it through the tough times and the hard times of life. A praying mother connects her child with godly influences. My God, you've got to weed that garden. Amen. 
You, you got to weed some things out from my seed. Come on, that's not going to be a part of my seed. And then a praying mother prepares her child to serve God. Come on, you're going to be able to watch that seed grow. Why? Because there has to be a root before there's a shoot. Amen. If there's a shoot with no root, it's not going to last. Number three, she worshipped God. She refused the identity and the label because she had a need. I don't care what you think, I have a need and I'm going to God. And then what does she do? She worshipped God. You know what true worship is? You could call it many definitions. But I think true worship is this. Praising through the storm. It's easy to worship when everything is going good. But true worship is when all hell is breaking out against you. And the devil wants to come out against you, but yet your hands are still in the air. You're still on the door serving in the house. You're still checking someone's kids in at E-Kids. You're still worshipping. You're still serving. You're still doing. You're saying, devil, do whatever you can. Job lost everything. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But you know what Job says? Yet will I still praise him. Yet will I still praise God. Come on, I've got to go on today. Come on, I know some of you already got your mind on that chocolate fountain already, mum. Mum. Verse 17, then Eli, then Eli answered and said to her, go in peace. In one moment he's accusing her of being drunk. Now he's saying, hey, God's heard you cry. Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant you the petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and she ate. And her face was no longer sad. Joy had filled her broken heart. Hope had come. Come on, I said hope had come. To those who are the tired and the heavy laden, hope has come. Man, we sang that today. Come on, lift up your eyes. Come on, I'll leave it to them to do it, amen. But hope has come. She's now eating. There's a smile on her face. Thank you, Jesus. She's saying, God, you have heard my prayers. But think about it. That's still not the easiest thing to do when you just have the promise. But you don't have the reality. Catch that. She doesn't have a child yet. She just has the promise that God has heard you cry, that it's happened, and that hope is on the way. Come on, she's got a word, but she doesn't have that physical proof right now. But I'm telling you right now, she worshipped God just like she had it. Can I tell you, Mom, you got to worship God like you've got it. Because why? Because you have it. I said, in God, you have it. If your kids aren't saved, worship God like they are saved. Would you do it for me, Mom? Isn't that what Christy said today? Would you do it? Oh, I'm doing it for them. I'm worshipping God. You may say, well, pastor, it doesn't say that she worshipped God. That's because we haven't got to the next verse. Next verse, verse 19. They arose early in the morning. They went to the nine o'clock service. They're they're, they're the spiritual ones. They went early in the morning to the nine o'clock service. And what did they do? They did what? They worshipped. They worshipped the Lord. What about this scripture? 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care. Upon him, for he cares about you. That's what happens when we worship. We're saying, God, 
I just worship you, God. Here's my problems. Here's my cares. Here's my concerns. I've given them to you in prayer now. I'm just going to worship you, trusting that you care about me. I love that. God cares about you. Let me say that one more time. God cares about you. New Living Translation says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. He cares about your life. He cares about your future. He cares about your family. That's someone I want to worship and serve, someone who cares about me, who knows what I'm going through. Verse 20, so it came to pass. Of course it did. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, of course it did. It had to come to pass. Why? Because God heard her cry. It came in the process. That's that curse word again, that process. We don't like the process. We like the results. We don't like the process. But God is where? In the process with us because he's building us and shaping us and fashioning us through the trials. It came in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and she called his name Samuel saying, because I've asked for him from the Lord. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. I actually didn't... Realize this. I don't know how I never have heard this before. I'm sure I have. But it never registered before. The word Samuel means heard by God. Heard by God. And I love that because here she is praying a prayer that God would hear her cry. And she labels a son Samuel. God heard my cry. But I think how beautiful of his name. That Samuel was a prophet of God. A prophet of God meant a mouthpiece of God. So now he's not only heard by God the prayer, now he speaks the word of God to other people that they now in turn can hear God. Wow, what a name he has lived to because of her cry. Now she is seeing the results of that in the life of other people. I'm telling you, God don't just want to give you kids. God wants to give you kids that are going to touch other people. They're going to change this world for Jesus Christ. But that's not the end. Come on, turn to someone and say, that's not the end. end. Hurry up, Pastor. Chocolate fountain, chocolate fountain. I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. But that's not the end. Number four. By the way, I'm going to go all day because they haven't given me a clock, so I don't, haven't got a clue of how long I've been preaching today. So, so if they start it now, that means there's going to be 35 minutes. So uh, number four, she gives her child to God. She gives her child to God. Verse 27 and 28, For this child I have prayed, and the Lord has granted my petition, which I have asked of him. Next verse, please. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. I want to close this message today by talking about what I think is the most important part of this message. Oh, I think it's so important for us not to accept the identity and the label of the world. I think it's so important for us to trust God and to pray. I believe it's so important for us to bring our needs to Him. I believe it's important for us to worship God. But you know what I think is the most important thing that we need to do, and that is this, we've got to give our children to God. And that's what I want to talk about today. How can we as parents give our children to God? And I've got four things. The first is this, we've got to raise them in His house. Raise them in this house. Remember, we're looking at this message from today forward. If you haven't done that, you can start today. You're here today. It's a great start and it's a great opportunity. Come on, you need to raise them in his house. 
She didn't just talk about it. She didn't just make a promise. If you give me a child, then God, I maybe will do. Come on. God gave her what she asked for, and she took her son physically, listen to me, and she gave him to the priest, and she went home and left her kid at church. Now, guys, we love your kids. But don't do that. That's not God. But can you see what she did? Something she had cried out to the Lord for. And she gave that son totally to God. She gave him to be raised in the house. Come on, parents, raise your kids in the house. Teach them to love his house. Wake up on a Sunday morning with a smile on your face. Even if you feel miserable and depressed, take a double shot of caffeine if you need to. Come on, we need to be happy on a Sunday. Why? Because we're teaching kids to love his house. Come on, let them follow your example by what? Being in the house. Don't send them, bring them to the house. You've got to prioritize his house. Man, I could talk about this for hours. There are so many opportunities today and distractions that are conflicting with God's hands. Sports, activities, everything, all happening on weekends now. You know how we were brought up? This is how we were brought up. We were brought up to know, don't even bother asking because you know what you're doing on Sunday. I mean, that was it. You know what my parents would say? Hey, sorry, son, you're not called for that. But here's where you're called. This is what God has. I had the opportunity as kids to do a, a child to do things with sports. I was a, I was a pretty decent athlete. I had opportunities to go maybe far. My dream was to be a professional soccer player, and I had opportunities to do that. But you know what? That was always on a Sunday. And so when I asked my parents, and they said no, I, I said, "Well, I said, here's where I'm at today. Thank you, mum and dad." Thank you, Mum and Dad. I could have my name on posters. I could have people chanting my name in stadiums. But that's nothing compared to what God has called me to do. You've got to prioritize the house of God. And one thing I've realized is this. You put God's house in the proper order, he'll put your house in the proper order. Come on, we don't do that. Come on, we don't do that. Come on, we, we can go to the lake after the nine o'clock service. We can go to church and then we'll be, we'll come in your shorts and t-shirts and your flip-flops and go to the lake afterwards. That's cool. Prioritize his house. Because you may say, oh, it's family time. There is no greater family time than being together in the house of God. Pray for them. Second point, pray for them. What a great way to bring our kids to God is to pray for them. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And Hannah prayed. And she said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. That was her prayer of praise. And it goes on. She was praying a prayer of praise, a prayer of praise towards God for everything he had done. But I don't think it was a one-off prayer. I believe every day she was praying for her children. Come on, parents. Here's what you need to pray over your kids. Are you ready? Five things every day. A parent's prayer. Number one, you need to pray that they would be light and darkness. You've got the scriptures right there. You've got to pray that your kids would be light and darkness. You've you got to pray that they would be leaders and not followers. I know some of you are frantically trying to get all this down. It's on you version. The, all these notes are on you version. You need to get these and print them out. You need to pray that they would be leaders and not followers. You would need to pray over your kids every day that they would do right even when no one else is watching because we need to teach them God is always watching. 
Even though teachers may not be and peers may not be, Jesus is still watching. Always doing the right thing. Because that's character. Did you know that? That's character. Doing the right thing wherever you're at. Number four, that they would be strong in temptation. Oh, temptations are coming. You can't keep your kids forever. You, you, You try to shield them and you should, but you can't keep them from the temptations. But you can pray that they'll be strong through the temptations. And the last part was that God would protect and read Psalms 91, the promises that we have through God. Come on, so we what? We raise them and we bring them to the house. We pray for them. Third thing is this, we provide the right environment. The story goes on, chapter 2, verse 19. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and she brought it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. She would make him robes. She would make him clothes. She would bring a provision for him physically. But I believe the greatest provision that we can make for our kids is the spiritual provision. What do I mean by that? We've got to make sure they have the right friends, that they're in the right relationships and they're in the right activities. Parents, don't be caught off guard. I said, don't be caught off guard. Follow their friends on social media. Come on, parents, you're going to love me for this message. The kids maybe won't, but they will one day. You need to follow your kids and follow their friends on social media. You need to know their passwords. Their passwords are just to keep the brother out and sister. They're not to keep the mother or the dad out. (laughs) Hey, Hey, when you start paying for that thing, then you can lock it down however you want. But, Huh? Another thing is this. You rarely see that lock on your door? That's not ever for you to use. Don't lock that door. You lock that door, you'll lose your door. <laughs> you, you ain't keeping me out of my house. This is my house. Come on now, I'm preaching to you today. Preaching to you. Here's another one, parents. Are you ready? Don't let your kids sleep with their cell phones in their rooms. Please don't let your kids have their cell phones in their rooms. We have a fixed time every night when our kids' cell phones are out of their rooms. Why? Because it's amazing what can happen in the middle of the night when people can start texting. blows me away to see, like with Molly, when I'll grab her phone some days and I'll take it in and just to see all the people who have texted or called or whatever through the night. I'm like, my God, what are their parents doing? What are their parents doing? What are their parents doing? And Hannah's smiling on the front row because she knows that one o'clock in the morning once. Yeah, Lord help us. Can I, can I share that with you quickly? <laughs> Just something. I woke up in the night and I was like, man, something's going on. Went upstairs and here she was on her phone. Was so fuming mad. Can I tell you this? Grabbed her phone, said, I'm going to deal with you in the morning. Was walking down the stairs and the Holy Spirit said to me, you ain't dealing with it in the morning, you're going back and dealing with it now. But you know what, here's the deal. Kids don't have to be bad kids. We don't have bad kids. And don't get me wrong, they ain't angels either. Why? Because they're my kids. But let me tell you something. Don't put a pressure on your kids to make a decision that you as a parent need to make for them. Let them be kids and let them enjoy. Give them responsibility. But remember this. They're not going to be responsible over things like that, probably. 
And, and again, even if your kids are responsible, their friends are probably irresponsible. So you just guard against that. Set curfews for your kids. We have curfews for our kids. Come on, we have rules for our kids. They do chores around the house. We get them. Why? Because we're providing the right environment for them to grow up. They don't like it, of course. But guess what? Proverbs 22, 7. Chain up a child. You don't even have to say, well, Pastor Philip said this. No, God's word says that. Train up a child in the way they should go. They they don't always go that way. Uh, Come on now, they don't always go that way when you want them to go. But guess what? There's coming a day. There's coming a day that God's going to hear your prayers because you're on your knees and you're praying. And there's coming a day when they're going to hear that prayer. And guess what the Bible says? And when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. They'll never be able to escape it. They'll return to it. They'll grab a hold of it. Come on, they're never going to forget the right, proper environment and the advice that you've given to them. Number four, I've got to end this message. Lead by example. Wow, this is key. This is so key. This is so key. You've got to let your kids see the love that you have for God. Let the kids see you praying. Let the, the kids see you reading the Word. Let the kids see you serving in the house. Lead by example. Look at me today, everyone. I'm almost done. Almost done. Chocolate fountain's ready to go. Just for the mums. As you hear this today, you maybe say, I haven't done that. I haven't been that. That's the complete opposite to my life. I'm ashamed. I've failed. There's no hope for my children. That's a lie. And here's the reason why it's a lie. Because you have forgotten the most important thing. And the most important thing is this. Trusting God. Trusting God. That's what we forget to do. Because we can look and say, man, I said the wrong things. I did the wrong things. We've got to trust God through it all. Why? Because God sees the mistakes and the rebellion and the bad grades and the wrong choices and the cold shoulders, the things that we wish we could take back, those words, and we defeat ourselves. But we've got to trust God. Why? Because we've got to look through the lens of a new day, today forward. It's no shock to you, band can come back. It's no shock to God, rather, that you're not perfect. I said it's no shock to God that you're not perfect. But he does want you to know this. Are you ready? Philippians 1 verse 6. And I am certain, being confident that God, who began this good work within you, will Continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Come on, you can have confidence today that even though I haven't been the best and I haven't done the best, I can trust God. And I can give God my family and I can give God my life today. Come on, that she, that she can be me today. But no, take it one step further. That she is me today. That's who I am. 
I'm refusing the wrong identity. I'm giving my needs to God. I'm worshipping Him. Come on, I'm bringing my family to God. I'm giving back to God that which I have promised and the greatest gift that He's given me. Outside of life and salvation, the greatest gift that every one of us has is children. Children. A gift of God. Would you bow your heads all over this place today?